Uh, just going to take a few moments to, to think a little bit about, I guess, think about what we, we've already done this morning and, and what today is all about and try and unpack a little bit some of the things that we've seen and we've heard. We're going to uh, open the Bible and have a look at some verses in there and just draw some things out. But it was a, a few weeks ago now, went on holiday, uh, me and my family went on holiday and it was the day that we were, were leaving to go on holiday. And I don't know if it's the same in your household, but in our household there's always last minute jobs that need to be done on the day before you go on holiday. So I went off into town and I was doing the jobs that I needed to do and my wife Steph, she took the children in the car to go and do the jobs that they needed to do. But it wasn't long before Steph was in the car with, with our two and my daughter Eva just burst into tears kind of uncontrollably and Steph was managed to find out what the matter was and Eva had got so upset because she didn't have her dolly with her, she didn't have baby Annabelle with her and in her mind we were going on holiday and she was going, she's left baby Annabelle behind. It was like the worst thing that could ever have happened to her. The thought of being all those days without baby Annabelle, what was going to happen? And my wife uh, would manage to kind of calm her down and talk her through it and just explain, it's okay, we're not going yet, we're going to come back and then we're going to go on holiday later and you can take baby Annabelle. And Steph shared this with me and I thought actually it's quite a sweet story, isn't it? Just how, even though she got upset, it's quite sweet that she, she wanted to take her dolly with her. Until I realised something, I realised that baby Annabelle wasn't the only one that, was, that wasn't in the car at that point. I wasn't in the car. I was off doing jobs. Eva wasn't upset that I wasn't going on holiday. But, but it just it kind of struck me, actually. Uh, we have the opportunity the responsibility and the privilege of helping children to understand and make sense of things that they experience and things that they encounter, uh, maybe some of the questions that they have. And, and for Steph, even in a, in a small thing in that moment, she had to help Eva to process what was going on and to help her to understand the context of what was happening. It's like, no, it's all right. We, we'll be going later and everything's okay. But that's really the, the opportunity we have and the privilege we have is helping children as they grow, isn't it? In leading them and instructing them and in teaching them in that, but at the same point, we need to recognize, as we've heard already this morning, that we need help as we do this. You might not believe me when I say this, honestly, I'm not that upset that Eva was happy to go on holiday without me, even though it sounds like maybe I was. It's okay. But I know that there are times, or actually sometimes there are things that do hurt when it comes to bringing children up and raising children. There are things that do hurt, and there are times that are hard, and times where we might struggle, where actually we need people to draw alongside us to help us to be involved in helping to raise the children that we have. And really, that's what a big part of what today has been about. It's about parents committing themselves to their children, but also inviting others to be a part of it as well, isn't it? It's about us, as for us as a church family here, but also for friends and family who are here. It's about asking for that involvement, because we realise that we need some help and we need some support. And today really has been an opportunity to give thanks for new life. Uh, as we've already seen, it's an opportunity for parents to commit to how they will raise teach and care for their children, but at the same point, recognising their need for help as well. And for us as family, and for us as a church family, to commit to say that we're going to help and to support, looking to continually build a healthy family and community life. So it very much is a community thing and a family thing that we're doing together today. And I said it at the start, and I'm going to say it again, for those of you who, have, who are guests with us today, who are friends and family of the Stileses and the Vassies, you are so welcome here, and I'm so glad that you're able to be here, because it's important for us to be able to have that chance to come and celebrate, isn't it? Because these, these families mean a great deal to us, and we want to celebrate, and we want to give thanks. But when I'm thinking for us as, as a church here, um, 
the community church, days like today, they're, they're important for us and they're significant days for us. And the reason is, is because we understand the church to be an expression of family. Really, that's what church is, is an expression of family in which everyone is included. Everyone is included. And as part of that, it's, not, it's much bigger than that, but as part of that, we enjoy the privilege of welcoming new babies into our family. And again, today what we've been doing, we've been able to reaffirm our commitment to Jesus, and out of our commitment to Jesus, we're able to reaffirm our commitment to one another, and the fact that we're here for one another, and we care for one another, and we support one another. And the Bible uses the language of family when it speaks about church. It uses that language when it talks about how we're to engage relationally to one another. It speaks about those in the church as being brothers and sisters. And in other ways, it's really a lot of family sort of language. And today, as we give thanks for Barnaby and Isaac, in a sense, we're, we're welcoming them. It's kind of an official, I guess, an official welcome into the, into the family, an opportunity to do that. But ultimately, it's more than that, because our ultimate hope and prayer is for Barnaby and Isaac to come to their own relationship with God. As, as, as one of the pastors of the church here, for us as a church, that is our, our ultimate hope and prayer. And I'm sure for many of us here, that would be the same, that they come to their own relationship with God. You see, the Bible not only speaks about how we, how we relate to one another as family, it also speaks about how we can relate to God as family, specifically as sons and daughters. That's the language that the Bible uses. What it is to be a Christian means you're a son or daughter of God. And on a day when we're giving thanks for two sons, I want us to consider, just for a few moments, what it is to be sons and daughters of God. And we're going to look at some verses in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. The, uh, it's going to come up on the screens if you wanted to follow along with it. And so you can. And we're just going to read a couple of verses in there. And it's Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6. And it says this. It says, speaking of God, it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So he's talking about Jesus again at the end there, for the one he loves. Now, uh, it's the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. And he, it was a common metaphor. The metaphor of adoption was a common metaphor that Paul used to describe what it was to be a Christian, to be what it is, to be a follower of Jesus. And he uses this metaphor of adoption to help us to understand primarily our relationship with God. And it's part of our core understanding of what it is to be a Christian, is to understand that we're sons and daughters. In the psalm that I read out earlier, uh, it, it, I, I really love this psalm. And I like, uh, in particular, it speaks about how, how God was there even before we were formed. He was there and he was involved in knitting us together. And even before one of our days had come to pass, they were already written in his book. There's this sense of, of, of even before we, we were a thought or even known, God knew us and God was involved in our lives. And I just feel there's, there's a similar thread that comes through in these verses that we've been looking at in Ephesians, where it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. This sense that God's always got his eye on us. He chose us even before the, the creation of the world, even before we were born, even before we were growing in the womb. He chose us and he chose us why to be born into God's family as sons 
and daughters. And in these verses, Paul, he speaks about what it is to be sons and daughters of God. But I don't know if you noticed, he, speak, he mentions Jesus twice. He speaks about Jesus twice. In these two verses. You see, there's something about the person and work of Jesus that holds the key to our being able to be brought into God's family. So we can be brought into God's family, but it's Jesus is the one who holds the key to that. Now, one of the things uh, that when Mike was leading the Thanksgiving part of our time together, there was a, in terms of the commitments that families were making and parents were making, it was that they were to, to teach their children about the gospel of Jesus and to lead them toward faith in him. That's something that we're committed to. We want to teach our children about who Jesus is and about what Jesus has done. And really, that's what the word gospel means. It's about the life and work of Jesus. So if Jesus is the key to us knowing God as sons and daughters, what is it that Jesus has done? I think if we were to, to look at the world around us through things that we experience ourselves, or if we were to turn on the television, open a newspaper, perhaps go on Facebook, we see brokenness. We see a lot of brokenness in the world around us. The world does, in many ways, look pretty broken. We see death and we see disease and we see suffering. But in the midst of that, we also see traces of beauty, don't we? We have those moments where we just see real traces of beauty and things that are really, really beautiful. And that's because uh, God's... It, it, in, um, what we're doing there when we see that is we're seeing God's original creation, where God's original creation was not broken. There was no brokenness. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no suffering. But even from the very first people, they, 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 they chose to, to leave God's design to try and do things their own way. And the Bible speaks about this departure from God's design as sin. That's what the word sin is, really. It's departure from, from God's original design. And that's where brokenness comes in. And effectively, that means that we're born into brokenness. We're born into a broken world. And we we all want to try and escape brokenness. If we think about it, we, want to, we don't want to be in brokenness. We don't want to be involved in those things. We want to try and break out of it. And we can try and, and get ourselves out of it. It might be that we try and climb the ladder of success as a way of being able to leave brokenness behind. Or maybe we seek to be really religious by being a good person and serving other people. Maybe that will be a way out of brokenness. Or maybe we even try to um, sort of drown out brokenness. And we can do that. We through alcohol or drugs or relationships, just things that will kind of allow us to drown out the brokenness that we see around us and maybe even experience it in our life. But no attempts to escape brokenness actually get us out. We're still drawn back into it. But God loves us so much that he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He actually makes a way for us to come out of brokenness. And God sends his son, he sends Jesus into the world to be among us, to be among his creation. And he allows Jesus to die on a cross. And in dying on the cross, what Jesus does is he takes our sin and he takes the punishment for our sin upon himself. And then the Bible tells us that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus himself declared that if there was anyone who would turn from, from going their own way, if there's anyone that would surrender themselves and live with him as king or as lord of their lives, then actually for them, their sins are forgiven, but not only are their sins forgiven, but they're also restored back and taken out of that brokenness and restored into relationship with God. So that is why Paul in these verses in Ephesians talks about Jesus and links, the, uh, kind of sets Jesus up as the key, as the link 
Because Jesus came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he is the one that makes a way for us to, have, to be able to have relationship with God. See, it's through Jesus that actually we're able to be made sons and daughters of God. And I very, very briefly just want to touch on three ways in which sonship and daughtership, this, this uh, metaphor of sonship and, and, and daughtership, actually develops our understanding of what it is that Jesus has done for us. And I want to focus on identity, security, and intimacy. And it, my, my understanding would be, and my perception would be, and hopefully this is what your understanding would be, is that identity and security and intimacy are all things we naturally crave. They're all things that we naturally seek out. Because they're good for us. We need them. And we will look to someone or something to provide these for us. But actually we find all of these things in being sons and daughters of God. You see, as sons and daughters, we have a new identity. I mentioned that it was Paul that wrote this letter to the Ephesians. But he wrote a number of letters through the Bible. And in one of them, he wrote to a church in Galatia. And he actually describes... Us as being, he uses the language of being slaves. He says, actually, we are, we are slaves to, to the elemental things of the earth. Effectively, we're, we're slaves to, to the things of sin that keep us in brokenness. That's where we were. So he's saying, actually, we were once slaves, but God offers us sonship and daughtership. He brings us into his family. So actually, our whole identity has changed. This is a huge thing. Our identity completely changes. We've got the creator of the universe who chooses... To call us his sons and daughters. Once slaves, now sons and daughters. And this gives us a new sense of being. A new sense of who we are. The thing is, the world will try and tell you all sorts of things about who you are. All of us get told by the world all sorts of things about who we are. But if you're a son and daughter of God, you can know that you're loved by a father who delights in you. You have a new identity. Secondly, as sons and daughters, as sons and daughters we have a new security. We were at a conference yesterday, and as part of the conference, we were hearing from a number of organisations uh, and initiatives who were really working with people in need uh, and, and in poverty and, and different situations. And one of the groups, they work with people who um, have been rescued and taken out of human trafficking and slavery, and they work specifically with those people. And I was chatting to my brother about this. He was in the seminar and I wasn't. And he was saying how when, when people are rescued... Out of, out of human trafficking or out of slavery. There is provision, government, government provision, where they're, they're, they can go in a centre and they're looked after and they're, they're cared for there. But it was after 40, we think it's after 45 days, that's kind of the limit. After 45 days, they're told to leave the centre. And that's it. Even if they've got nothing lined up, they, they are told to leave the centre. And it just really struck me, actually, what those people need. They need something more than rescue. They need rescue, but they also need security. They need something more. Then, And we can talk about the gospel as a rescue. It's God has done something for us. God has rescued us out of where we are and has restored us. Uh, but, and that is wonderful in and of itself, but God goes beyond that. He takes us, he, it's not just about rescue, but he brings us into his family. He gives us that security that we need. And one of the things that this charity was seeking to do was working with those who have been rescued out of trafficking, uh, human trafficking and slavery and setting them in families and giving them a home, and giving them a place where they can have security. And really that's what God does for us through Jesus. What he says, he says, you're in my family, I'm never going to let you go. So we have a new sense of security. And then finally, as sons and daughters, we have a new intimacy. Now forgiveness 
is a powerful thing, isn't it? Maybe our experience, hopefully our experience of forgiveness is that it's a powerful thing, whether it's us having forgiven someone or someone having extended forgiveness to us. It's a powerful thing. It brings freedom to people. And once we were far away from God, but now we've not only been forgiven, but God also wants to call us his children. It goes beyond that forgiveness and extends something else, something greater to us. There's a guy named Krish Kandaya who works for an organization called Home for Good. And he says that with forgiveness, it's like we were at a negative relationship with God because of our sin. But now God, it's like he wipes the slate clean, doesn't count our sin against us anymore. So you could say that relationally we're now at zero, thanks to forgiveness. So in terms of our relationship with God, slate's been wiped clean, whatever negative relationship there was, it's now, we're now at zero. We're now back kind of to where we start. But actually, God goes beyond that. He doesn't just wipe the slate clean and leave it at zero. Again, he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I'm never letting you go. Not only have you been forgiven, but I'm going to bring you into my family to be known as my son or as my daughter. See, the gospel of Jesus is good news. It's not just good news for the two boys that we've been able to to welcome and pray for today. It's good news for each one of us. And it's good news that through Jesus we become sons and daughters of God with new identity, with new security, and with new intimacy.